You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Deep Enjoy. I'm going to need your help this morning. You know, there are many people around you every day that have no idea that, that church could be like this. And all of us have had previous church experiences, and sometimes that can make you um, skeptical or hesitant to come to another church, right? I've been there. But I want you to put your church past behind you. I want, to, want you to put your negative experiences behind you. And we're going we're gonna to dive into the deep end of what God's done for us, all right? But I need you to listen with fresh ears, not ears that have been bruised from previous relationships or religious tradition, but fresh ears. When I started reading the Bible at the age of 19, I had fresh ears because I, I knew that what I had been told growing up couldn't be true, that God had to be better than what my church taught me. And I was right. He was a lot better. But thank God that he opened my eyes. When I began to read through the Gospels, I saw someone that was more wonderful than anyone I'd ever dreamed of. I saw the Son of God in the flesh making people whole. And that's what we're going we're gonna to experience 2020 as I pray about each year that coming up. Say, Lord, what do you, what do you have uh, what's our focus for 2020? And, and of course, 2020, many are saying is a year of vision, and I, I love that, 2020 vision. And, and uh, vision is one of our senses, sight, right? I believe the Lord spoke to me that for us, 2020 is the year of taste and see, the year of experiencing God like you've never experienced Him before. And I love the testimonies we said at the end of 2020 uh, 18 about the year of the Spirit, which is 2019, the year of the Spirit. And we've grown in our relationship and our understanding of the Holy Spirit. And you know, that's what He wants is for you to experience more of God. That's why He was sent into the earth, so that you would experience and taste daily the one who made you. Christianity is not about a someday maybe, it's about a right now yes. It's about right now experiencing the one who made you. So this message that we're starting today, and I don't think we're going to finish it today, we're calling DEEP, D-E-E-P. But a relationship with God that is deep brings about a life that is whole, W-H-O-L-E. So if you're not experiencing wholeness, you need to go deeper. We're, we're turning the dial up at Highway Church. We're going higher, wider, deeper than we've ever been before in God. Hallelujah. This word deep, I like it. And you know, as the Lord was ministering to me, I was swimming this week, and as I was uh, doing the breaststroke from the shallow end to the deep end, at the far deep end of the pool, they had the word deep. And you know, when you go from the shallow end to the deep end of a pool, it's easier to swim. People are afraid of the deep, but you float easier in the deep. Don't be afraid of the deep. There's a buoyancy in Christ. The deeper you go, the easier it gets. There's no heaviness with God. 
the deeper you go in him, the lighter you get. This word deep, I'm going to read you some definitions of the word deep. Are you awake? Father, wake us up with your Holy Spirit. Open the eyes of our heart that we put our past behind us and that with fresh new ears and eyes we'd look at you and listen to you. That we'd be transformed this morning. Take us deeper into the reality of who you are and what you've done for us and who we've become through simple faith in your son. In Jesus' name. Amen. Deep. It means extending far below the surface. Far below the surface. Now, we've been on the surface of planet Earth, and you may have traveled and seen lots of planet Earth, but really they tell us that the surface of the Earth is like the skin of an apple. Right? Most of the Earth we'll never see. So on the surface is the shallow stuff. It's not the true substance of what's going on. It's the surface. We want to go far below what we can see with these eyes and hear with these ears. We want to go into the spirit realm. That's where the life is. Deep is extending far below the surface. It's extending far down. Here's some more definitions of the word deep. Huge. A huge relationship with God brings about a life that is whole. Big, great, extensive, profound. I like this one, unplumbed. We're like James T. Kirk. We're boldly going where no man has gone before, right? <laughs> Huge, big, great, Profound, extensive, unplumbed, bottomless, immeasurable. A bottomless relationship with God brings about a life that is whole. Immeasurable, fathomless, unfathomable. A relationship where you are convinced that nothing is impossible with him. Isn't that what we celebrate at Christmas when Gabriel appeared to the young girl, Virgin Mary, and told her that she was going to be with child? And, and she asked a good question because not, this had never happened before. It was prophesied of, but there was no precedent for this. And she had not been with a man. She was not married. She said, how can this be, seeing I have no husband? That's a good question. And he said, the Holy Spirit is going to do this. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and inside of your womb conceive a man. She could have said, no way. That's ridiculous. My parents never told me about anything. I've never seen that before. I've never seen anyone on Oprah talk about anything like that. But that wasn't her response, which gives us insight into the depth of her relationship with God. Because God will speak things to you that seem impossible. I guarantee it. Guarantee it. If you're listening. And I love how she responded to him. The angel, he said, she's, she said to him, how can this be? She, he said uh, that, uh, that with God, nothing will be impossible. 
And I love her response. She said, be it done unto me according to your word. Yes. That's the response of someone who has a deep relationship with God. I don't care how impossible it is what you're telling to me. I believe it because you're God. This is where we want to live. Because what God wants to do in your life is beyond anything you've ever known. He's always the God of more. He's always the God of greater. He's always the God of higher and deeper and wider. Now, a relationship with God that is shallow, I guess, is better than no relationship at all. But it's insufficient. It it can't propel you forward. And this is what religious tradition traps you in. This shallow relationship with God that's based on man's ideas and reasonings. And we want none of that here. We want the word of God to determine the boundaries of our lives. We want our relationship with God to, to ooze into every area of our lives. To just be oozing in us and out from us. That everywhere we would go, the kingdom of God would be sensed and felt and known because we're there. This root word of the word deep is akin to the word immersed, being immersed in. You see, Jesus came as the door to the deep end. Jesus came as the door that we walk through that enables us to immerse ourselves, to fully immerse ourselves in God, to fully experience God. Jesus is the door that you walk through through simple faith in who he is that enables you to fully experience God. Let's go to John chapter 10, verse 10. To fully experience, you know what Christianity is really about? Fully experiencing God. Many have been robbed of this truth through the religious tradition. And I bring that up regularly at Highway Church because I, I want you to turn away from man's limits and boundaries and to let God build a whole new life for you. Because unfortunately what happens, you have, have men and women who have grown up in a tradition and maybe they become ministers in their tradition and the boundaries they establish are what they've been told by their tradition. So you come to their, their tradition, to their church, and, and they build these boundaries around you. And that's your relationship with God. That's not what God wants. He wants to be your boundaries. He wants to be the scope of who you are. So as we go deeper, inevitably you're going to find there are, there are boundaries in your life that you need to remove. There are fences and walls that you need to let the Holy Spirit shatter and get out of your way. 
Being a Christian is, a, is, a, is being a person who fully experiences God daily. I know this might sound wild to you, but it is the gospel, and we're going to see that. It's about fully experiencing God. Each day, tasting him, knowing him, fellowshipping with him, hearing his voice, talking to him, him talking back to you, him guiding and directing you, him supernaturally providing for you, him being your health and your strength. Now, in John chapter 10, if we were going to pick one verse out of the entire scripture, out of all of the, the books in the Old Testament and New Testament, one verse that could capture and summarize the nature and will and mission of Christ, I would pick this one. Jesus, God in the flesh, is talking, and he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy Who's he talking about? Satan or anyone under his influence, right? I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. This is Jesus' stated purpose, right? Let's not alter this to accommodate fear or unbelief. Or worry. Let's embrace what he's come for and let's live it. The Amplified said, I came that they might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Now, one of the, the joys of knowing Jesus is he defines God for us. And one of the ways that Satan tries to limit you is to take a word that God has spoken and redefine it or water it down. Life, in this context, is one of those words. You see, in the Greek, they had several words for the word life or the word love, or a number of words. But Jesus defined life in a brand new way. This word L-I-F-E in the English, in the Greek is Z-O-E. Zoe. Is Zoe in the house? Where is she? <laughs> Zoe. Let's read the definition of the life that Christ came to give us. This is from Vine's expository dictionary of the Old and New Testament words. I've come that they might have life. It literally means, and the best way to understand a word is, is to understand the context of which it's given. Because a word's meaning can, can change depending on the context. What is the context of it? This is the Son of God talking. This is the Messiah, the anointed one, who was prophesied about for thousands of years. He's, already, he's begun his ministry, and he's declaring his purpose. This is the context of this statement. Vine says in this context, it means life in the absolute sense. 
I've come that they might have life in the absolute sense. Are you ready for this? I need fresh ears. Come on. You got your fresh ears open. It means life as God has it. I've come that they might live life as God has it. Life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it, that which the Father has in himself. This is from Vines, biblical scholar. That which the Father has in himself and which he gave to the incarnate Son to have in himself and which the Son manifested in the world. Are you ready? Let's look in the scriptures. Follow along with me back there. Let's go to Matthew. We're going to look at this life that Jesus manifested, that he came so that you could live every day. It's gonna, it might shock you, but it's a good kind of a shock. It might knock down some walls and barriers in your thinking, but that's all right. Anytime the word of God enters our life and challenges us, it's a good thing. Anytime the word of God enters our life and causes a confrontation between what we believed previously, it's a good thing. We want that. We want wrong ideas about God, about the gospel, and about Christianity to be removed from our thinking so that we can live this thing in the absolute sense. Boy, oh boy, I've got, I, I have to really restrain myself because I could just take off and it'd be, it'd be next Saturday before we're done. <laughs> Hallelujah. This, I, I wanna read, I'm going to read you some more from Vines and some scriptures, but I want to give you the context of John 10.10, 10, of Jesus, the life that he brought, all right? In Matthew chapter 8, there was a leper who came. Luke says he was full of leprosy. He was at the most advanced stage of this disease. And he said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Jesus, without hesitation, touched him and said, of course I'm willing to be clean. This is the life that he manifested in the world. This is a real, tangible, make you whole kind of life. Then after that, a centurion who had a servant at home suffering and in terrible pain came to Jesus and told him about it. Jesus said, I will, it's my will to heal. The centurion said, I, I don't, I, I'm not worthy to come under my roof. Just speak the word and it will be so. Jesus spoke the word and he was healed. And then in Matthew uh, chapter, we're still in chapter 8, verse 14, he comes to Peter's house. Peter's mother-in-law is lying in bed sick with a fever. No big deal, right? Jesus doesn't care. It is a big deal to Jesus. If your body aches, it's a big deal to Jesus. He doesn't want you to go through life with an achy body. That's why he bore your aches and your pains on the cross. No one asked Jesus to do anything. He came in the home and he saw this woman lying in bed with a fever and he went and he rebuked the fever and she got up whole and free from the fever. This is the life he manifested in the world. We don't have time to go through all the examples, but I'm going to hit some of them anyway. 
And then in the evening, they bring to him in verse 16, uh, uh, people who were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken. Himself bore our infirmities, carried our diseases. Let's keep going. Hallelujah. For time's sake, let me just jump over to chapter 9. But you know the blind men who came to them, they wanted to receive his sight. They received their sight. The lame man, he said, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Hey, rise, take up your bed and go home. To the, to the Syrophoenician woman, he said, be of good comfort. Excuse me, to the, the woman with an issue of blood, he said, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Hallelujah. Let me see. I'm going to jump to verse 35. I'm not going in order here. I'm a little too excited, but let's go to verse 35. Here's the life that Jesus manifests in the world. And Jesus went about all, this is Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. This is the life he manifested in the world. I came that you might have life as God has it. Life in the absolute sense. So shouldn't this be the life that his church preaches? If this is his mission and purpose, shouldn't it be ours? Wouldn't it be a gross tragedy if people heard from the pulpit that God put that sickness in your life to teach you something? Wouldn't that be contrary to the very purpose of Christ himself? And then in chapter 10, he calls the original 12 to him, and he gives them power in verse 1 over unclean spirits, demons, to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And in verse 7, he says to them, go and preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does that mean? Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you've received, freely give. This is the life that he's manifested in the earth. And I, I, I know there are some that get frustrated. Why do you talk about healing so much? Because that's the kingdom of God. That's the life that God has that he wants to be in you and in those around you. It's, it's, it's his heart for mankind. It's the gospel. Healing is the gospel. It includes much more than just physical healing, but Jesus demonstrated to us in his ministry, I'm going to stay with his ministry, that it's a priority to God. Preach the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. That's impossible. Not with God. How can someone go from the most advanced stage of a disease to wholeness in a moment? Jesus. So what should you do as a believer? Start to embrace the mission of Jesus. Wholeness, the kingdom of God, raising the dead, cleansing the leper, healing the sick. This is what we're about. 
Are you all right? We embrace, and it's just funny how uh, I was listening to a good teacher, Rick Renner. Have you ever, anyone know Rick Renner in here? Uh, he's in Russia, been in Russia, I think, since 94. Tremendous ministry, great teacher of the word. But he was just sharing about the domination he grew up in and things that he learned. And, and uh, it, it's just funny how watered down the gospel has become to so many. That it's just basically, okay, what is a Christian? Well, a Christian is someone who tries to be good. (laughs) (laughs) A Christian is someone who's like Christ, who has the life of Christ inside of them. Not who's like Christ because they've done a bunch of things right, but who's like Christ because they put their faith in Christ, and he made them new. If you've put your faith in Christ, you're like Christ. You've become his brother or sister. 1 John 1, the life he manifested to the world. Now this life, we're going we're gonna to jump back and forth. We're going to do some vines. We're going to do some scriptures. We're going deeper into the gospel. I invite you to come with me in the deep end. You won't drown. You'll become stronger You'll, you'll, you'll be lifted up with a newfound strength that's from heaven. 1 John 1, 1. Now this is the Apostle John writing uh, in chapter 1 here. Well, I don't want to go into all the explanations. Let's just read it. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Who's we? The original 12. And there are others that were with Jesus. We've heard it with our ears. We've seen it with our eyes. We've looked upon our hands have handled the word of life. Who's he talking about? What's that word, L-I-F-E there? Zoe. We've handled life as God lives it. We've heard and seen and touched life as God has it. Who is he talking about? Jesus. We've been in the presence of life as God has it. That's Jesus. Jesus is life as God wants it to be lived. Verse 2, for the life was manifested. We've seen it. We bear witness and we show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested, made real, became real to our senses. Verse 3, That which we've seen, heard, declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Do you realize you can be a believer and not know that the life of God is in you and not experience life as God has it? How is that possible? Possible. Because of what you believe or don't know. Ignorance can keep you from experiencing life as God lives it. The abundant life Christ came to give you. Back to Vine's expository dictionary. He said, from this life in the absolute sense... This life as God has it that Jesus manifested in the world 
from this life, man has become alienated in consequence of the fall. When was the fall? A while ago, right? About 6,000 years ago in the garden. Oftentimes, the way that the church talks about sin is not helpful because they end up condemning people with it. When we talk about sin here, we want to understand what it was. Sin was separation from life as God has it. Sin was being separated from the deep, strong life, from the fully immersed life, okay? But through Christ, anyone can become a partaker of this life again. So from this life, man has become alienated in consequence of the fall. But of this life, men become partakers through simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't be sad about being alienated from it. Get in on it now. It just takes faith in Jesus. Through faith in Jesus, we're reunited with God perfectly. Not just a little bit, but completely. That's what eternal life is, being one with God. We'll look at that in a moment. Is this shocking? We doing okay? Don't tune me out. Don't turn, turn me off. Let's go deeper. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 says this. And this is the apostle Paul writing to believers in Ephesus. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. They're ignorant of this life having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. You can be a believer and be ignorant of this life. We're doing everything we can to change that. And I want to tell you, the most important thing we do is gather together on a Sunday morning in this corporate atmosphere and receive from the Holy Spirit the ministry of His Word. There are things I can say, and this is why God chose preaching as the vehicle for salvation. There are things I can say in this setting I can't say to someone privately. This is a safeguard for people where I can proclaim by the leading of the Spirit, it might be a very private issue with you, but no one will know That's right. as I'm up here. It's a way of ministering to everyone in the hearing of the message in a very personal and private way if you're listening and in a safe way. So take advantage yes. of our Sunday gatherings. I came that they might have life in the absolute sense, life as God has it, and I'm manifesting this life to the world while I'm in the world. 
Now, in John chapter 6, starting in verse 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of Zoe. That's what this word is. I'm the bread of life as God has it. I'm the bread of life in the absolute sense. The life that you've seen that casts out devils and makes the lame walk and the blind see. I'm the bread. If you eat me, you'll do that. If you eat me, that life will be in you. Religion hates what I'm saying. Because religion doesn't want any more Jesuses in the earth. One was enough. That's why religion wants to pour Jesus into a, 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 a mold and put him on a shelf that doesn't move or breathe or talk or think. But he, you can't put Jesus. The only thing you put on a shelf is yourself if you look to molds and, and, and things that can't talk and breathe. Religion puts you in a mold that keeps you from experiencing the life of God. That's what man's tradition does. It can't handle the real Jesus because the real Jesus is limitless. He's bottomless. He's fathomless. He's unplumbed. I'm the bread of Zoe. He that comes to me shall never hunger. He that believes on me shall never thirst. Those are bold, absolute words. And he's true and right in saying them. And in verse 63, later in the chapter, he says, it's the Spirit who gives Zoe. It's the Spirit that gives life as God has it. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that gives life in the absolute sense. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are Zoe. So if you're not experiencing Zoe, what do you need? You need the Spirit and the Word. Right? The Spirit of God and the Word of God. That's why having a hard copy Bible is essential for experiencing God. You don't want to know God based on man's philosophies. You don't want to know God on what you think is possible. You want to know God based on what God says is possible. There's no book like this book. I know it's probably the most ridiculed, uh, criticized book of all time, but why? Because there's life in here that will make you whole. The last thing the devil wants you to do is go from ignorant to knowledgeable of what God has done for you. He wants to keep you in the dark, and the best way to do that is to keep you from reading this. Listen, this is a big book. There's a lot of stuff in here. And there's a, there's a lot of uh, wisdom of man in this book. You know, there's a difference between Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. They were both written by the same person. Who were they written by? But if you'll read Proverbs, you'll see the wisdom of God in Proverbs, but you'll see the wisdom of man in Ecclesiastes. Why? Because Solomon changed over his life. God endowed him with a wisdom from heaven, but then Solomon just started getting into the flesh and became a very worldly man. So you got to understand what you're reading, because not everything in here is God's will for you. Just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that it's something you're supposed to apply to your life today. you got to understand the context of it. So I'm saying this because it takes time to know him. 
It takes time to get to know his voice. You can't just think, okay, I'm going to pray a prayer one day and everything's going to be all right. You have to fix your attention on who he is. It's like that in marriage. We didn't just make vows and then go our separate ways. We moved in together. As husband and wife, we lived together from that day on. It's almost 25 years ago, in just a few weeks. God wants you to live with him. Not just, you know, come to a service every now and then and say, woohoo. <laughs> he wants you to know him, to taste him, to hear from him, to talk to him, to, to experience him on Monday morning at, at whatever time you get up. I was laying in bed last night, and there were fears just hammering me. Satan trying to steal from me. You know what it is. You know it's not God. Fear is never from him. And I didn't even bother getting out of bed. I just lay in there because it's, it's just the enemy. And I just start to Jesus. I start worshiping. You know, I've got my eyes closed. I'm not even moving my mouth. I'm just worshiping Jesus. And I don't know what time it was. I didn't even look at the clock, but it, it might have been hours later. I don't know, but it all just dissipated. Had a good night's rest, right? If you don't know his nature, you'll listen to the wrong voices. If I would have listened to the thoughts that were being introduced to me, I could have gone into a panic mode. I could have made decisions that would have changed the course of the next few weeks. And none of it was true. How many saw Santa Claus 3? Anyone see the Santa Claus 3 with Tim Allen? Those movies crack me up. <laughs> but in Santa Claus 3, there's this character, Jack Frost. And if you don't know the movie, Jack Frost operates like Satan does. And I don't, I don't really, I think I really watched the whole thing full time through this, this Christmas. But what do I mean by that is he's got an agenda, this Jack Frost. And he's upset because he's just the opening act. He's not the main figure like Santa is, right? And this is all uh, uh, fictional. We're, we're okay to talk about Santa in church, aren't we, right? It's just a story. You know, we told our children uh, about the story of St. Nicholas the person. We read about, about his actual life. He was a real person. He didn't live at the North Pole, and he didn't have elves. He was actually a man who ministered to the poor, all right? We told them, and then we told them about the story of the fictional character, Santa Claus, okay? Don't be afraid of anything, parents. Tell your children the truth. You know, it's good to use your imagination, not be afraid of it, right? People get all caught up in this stuff. But anyway, we're free. Aren't we free? Read Galatians. Did you read Galatians last, well, two weeks ago? Man, does that set you free. So you got this character, Jack Frost, that's bitter at, at Santa because he wants Santa's seat, basically. But he can't do it openly. He's got to try. He's got a plan to take Santa's authority away from him. That's what Satan wanted to do with Jesus, right? He, he's, he was envious and jealous of Jesus, and he wanted to be on the throne. But, he, but here's what this little Jack Frost, he starts going around to different characters in the movie and whispering little things to them. To cause them to question what, how they're living, what they're doing, how everything's operating, saying all these things. And, and it's pretty, pretty clever how he does it. And he ends up stealing, you know, Santa's 
Santa's authority and Santa gets it back. But anyway, this is what the devil will do to you. He'll send voices into your life that will whisper things to you, sometimes shout things to you, that will try and get you to change the way you operate, to back off of what God says, and to live uh, an ignorant life, to live a low-level life instead of the life that God came to give you. But we're not listening to those voices. We're listening to what Jesus said. He's come to give us life in the absolute sense. Hallelujah. John chapter 1, verse 11. Great thing to do is just write these references down. Just, you don't have to write the actual verses, but write the book, the chapter, and the verses. So you just write, you know, John 1, colon, 11, 11 through 14. 11, 11, dash 14. Then you go home and meditate on these. It says, Jesus came unto his own, and his own received him not. Can you imagine? They rejected life as God has it. Why? Because he didn't fit their tradition. Their tradition was more important to them than life as God has it. They did not receive God. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name. God is not trying to keep his power to himself. He wants you to have it. He wants you to walk in it. Why? He's fully secure. He trusts you. He trusts you. He believes in you. He's for you. As many as received him, as many as believed in him, he gave power to become the sons of God. Have you believed in him? Then you have the power of God in you. May this be preached in every pulpit. Yes. In Jesus' name. Yes. Verse 13. Which word, now listen to this. Don't even try and wrap your mind around this. Just believe it. These, these new sons, these new children, were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now, all of us have blood relatives. Naturally speaking, we were born of blood. But this new birth is not of a natural descent. This new birth is not of man's bloodline. This isn't a man thing. This is a God thing. What are we born of? The incorruptible Zoe word of God. That's what we're born of. That's what flows through our veins. That's why Jim Hockaday and I hit it off so well, because he emphasizes the reality of God in us. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. We're just going to keep going through these scriptures. Is that all right? Yeah. Acts chapter 3, 
verse 15 and 16. And Peter's preaching to, to those who are there, wondering, it's the gospel unveiled in Acts, right? The New Testament church has been born by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Peter's telling them what happened. He said, you killed the prince of Zoe. That's the word there. You killed the prince of life as God has it. Now, the only way that was possible is he laid down his life, right? But he's explained to him what they've done. Whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses, verse 16, and his name, through faith in his name. Now, let me give the context here. I'm trying to move along. I want to move too quickly. Why is, why is Peter, if you go back in the verse, what, what happened here in the chapter? A man was healed, right, at the temple gate, lame from his mother's womb. And he went from being lame to leaping and dancing and praising in a moment. Immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. That's not possible, not with man, with God it is, right? So they're wondering, how did this happen? Well, he said, the prince of this life, the prince of this life that made this lame man leap and dance and run and praise God, you killed him, but he rose again. And verse 16, and he says, his name. They want to know how this happened, right? How did you do this? How did you heal this man? He says his name, whose name? Jesus, the prince of Zoe. His name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. What is God's will for you? Perfect soundness. That includes your ear canals, your inner ear. It includes your teeth and gums. It includes your, your, uh, this thing. What's this thing in our throat called? Esophagus, trachea, all that stuff. Yeah. It includes everything from here to here. How's that? Yes, your nails, the nails on your fingers and toes, the bones in your feet. You can't be perfectly sound if he left an area out. This is the life God manifested in the world. This is the life we preach. Perfect soundness through the prince of Zoe. Hallelujah. Now guess what happened to them for, for manifesting this life? The apostles went to jail. Gee, thanks, right? But guess what God did? Broke him out. God will break you out of the prison that man wants to put you in. Hallelujah. That's what he does. He sets people free. But I want you to see what he said to them in chapter 5 of Acts, verse 20. He didn't break them out just to break them out. He broke them out because he wanted this life to spread. And he said to them in verse 20, Go, stand and speak to the people in the temple, in church. That's where we are. The whole message 
of this Zoe. Preach the whole message of this Zoe. This is God instructing his disciples. His instructions and purpose haven't changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Now we're all familiar with John 3.16. Let's all say it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal zoe. Now you know if you've been coming to Highway Church that we have to de-religify that phrase eternal life. So we still have them. We have our cans of de-religification spray under your seat. So go ahead and pick yours up. Spray yourself. Okay. What is eternal life? Jim Hockaday talked about this last week. Well, Jesus defined eternal life in John 17. He said, now this is eternal life that they may know you. Again, that's the, the, he's talking about the intimacy, the way a husband knows his wife. How a husband and wife, according to God, become one. Right? What is eternal life? To become one with God. His life in you. Eternal life is to experience the very life God has in himself because we are one with God himself. Let me say that again. Eternal life is to experience the very life God has in himself because we are one with God himself. Take that, sickness. The next time your body starts telling you you're sick, tell your body that. The very life God has in himself, you have in yourself. Body, you're full of the life of God. You're full of the very same life that raised Jesus from the dead. This is how we think. This is how we talk. This is how we live. This is the gospel of the Prince of Zoe. Vine's expository dictionary continues to define Zoe. And he makes this statement, Dr. Vine says, Eternal life is the present actual possession of the believer because of his relationship with Christ. It is the present actual possession, and that's different than what I learned in the church I grew up in. We very even rarely said those words, eternal life, but if they somehow came up in some odd kind of way, it meant that there was maybe a chance you'd go to heaven someday. Not at all what that means. It's the life of God in you now. So when you say John 3.16, think of that. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have the life of God in them now. Changes things, doesn't it? Knocks the religion right out of you. Oh, 
Christ came that someone can put their faith in him and have the life of God in them. So back to 1 John chapter 5 now. And he's writing to believers in chapter 5. And look what he says in verse 13. This is the apostle John. This is the one whom Jesus loved. That's how John referred to himself. He was the closest one to Jesus. They call him the apostle of love. He's the one they they tried to execute in different ways, but it didn't work. And they exiled him finally. The only way they could get rid of him was to exile him to the Isle of Patmos. And, And he wrote the book of Revelation there. They just couldn't stop this man. He says, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So these are believers, right? So that you may know that you have eternal zoe. So what is the emphasis here? If we were going to look at that phrase, eternal life, is the emphasis on eternal or life? You know, every human being is eternal, right? We're made in the image of God. It's not a question of how long we're going to exist. The question is the quality of our existence. Isn't that right? If you don't know Christ and your spirit leaves your body, you'll be separated from God for all of eternity. I can't even begin to imagine the suffering and pain of that. But God never wanted that for anyone, and he's never given that to anyone. He created hell for the fallen angels, not for man. Okay? So eternal life has to be talking, not not about a length of time, but about a quality of life that only God can provide. Right? Preach it, Zoe. Oh, it's so hard. It's Zoe, okay. (laughs) Zoe, we are talking about you today, girl. You've got the name. So that you may know that you have the life God has in you. Because of this life, because we know we have this, this is the apostle talking, because of this knowledge we have that his life is in us, we have a confidence that nothing can take away from us. Verse 14, this is the confidence which we have before God. His life is in us. We're his family now. We're welcomed in his presence. His presence is now the air we breathe. His word is what flows through our veins. We're born of him now. This is the confidence we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's confidence. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. A relationship with God that is deep brings about a life that is whole. When you gain the knowledge of the life of God that is in you, it begins to transform you. You will begin to experience healing in your body. Now, what if, what if you believe that healing was not God's will for you, but you're still a Christian? Well, it would block you from receiving that life, right? What if you believed that it was not God's will to forgive you? You would never come to him for forgiveness, would you? 
So we have to be very aware of what we believe about God. Because if we believe something wrong about him, it blocks our experience with him. So we want everyone to know that not only will God forgive you when you come to him, he's already forgiven you. There's no reason for anyone to stay away from God ever. No matter how bad you may have been, how, how uh, dark your life may have been, come to God now, he's already forgiven you. You don't have to do anything, say anything. You don't have to write a hundred prayers. You don't have to light any candles. Come to him now. Because he's already provided cleansing and righteousness for you. And the only way you can get it is simply believing it. So there's no reason for anyone to stay away from God. Why are so many staying away? Because of man's religious ideas that they've been told. You can't come to God, you're a sinner. Get your life together and then maybe we can talk. That's the opposite of what God did. God sent his son into the, into the world of sin and said, I've come that you might have life and life abundantly. So tell the people who don't know, you can come to God anytime you want. He's already forgiven you, just tell them. Well, they have to, to pray this prayer that, in a certain way in order to be forgiven. We have to explain to them the you know, 72 steps to salvation. Listen, tell them God loves them. Tell them, tell them come to just talk to God. Tell them, you can talk to God anytime. He's already forgiven you. He gave his son for you. You can come to him anytime, day or night, no matter what you've done. Just tell them. And you might be surprised that they, when they go home later that night and at night, they're in their, in their apartment and they start talking to God because of what you said to them. Yes, yes, yes. And they end up coming to know him because God is a spirit and he's with them in their apartment. They don't need to have any religious paraphernalia with them to know God. He's alive. He's a living personal presence. All they need to do is to know how much he loves them and to put their faith in him. Hallelujah. All right, we need to finish this up here. So the depth of our relationship with God is determined by what we believe about God. Right? You know, there are three levels of our life. Our actions are the very surface of our life. It's like the skin of an apple, right? Our actions are on the surface. They're just the tip of the iceberg. Underneath our actions, there's another level that is our values, what we consider valuable and important. But in the foundation of you is your beliefs. So the depth of your relationship with God is determined by the foundation of what you believe. So I can believe that God's forgiven me of my sins and I'll be in heaven someday. And I can also believe that, that God is using this sickness to teach me something and that I have to uh, go to confession so many times a week. And I can believe all these other things that may not be true and I will go to heaven but my experience now is going to be very shallow. Yes. 
with God. So what we want to do, we want to go to the foundation of who we are and change what we believe and fill our heart with the true knowledge of who he is and what he's done for us. Because when you begin to believe in the truth about his love for you, the truth of what he's done for you, your values will change and your actions will change. Religion has it backwards. They try and change the actions, then hopefully someday change the values and maybe someday the beliefs. That's not how we're made. We live by what we believe because we're made in the image of God. Hallelujah. All right, we'll continue next week. Father, thank you for more life. Thank you for the life that you have in yourself, in us. Thank you that there's no reason for anyone to ever stay away from you. There's no reason. Your son Jesus took all the reasons upon himself and has provided a clear path and an open door into your presence through his sacrifice. Help us, Holy Spirit, to put away the the Christianese and religious talk and just tell people how much God loves them. To just invite people to talk to God and and receive his love for them and and that Jesus paid full price for them and they can talk to him anytime. They can come to him no matter what they've done. Help us, Father, to exude this life in us, to give it to others. Let it ooze out of our pores and change the atmosphere everywhere we go. Holy Spirit, illuminate the foundation of our life. Illuminate our beliefs. Lord, that if there are things that we believe that don't line up with Jesus, help us to discard of them and to replace them with the truth of who you are. Transform us. We have taken on the very purpose of your son to bring others into life as you have it, life abundantly, to see people set free, made whole, and perfectly sound. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.